Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition. His name is Zach, my name is Braden. Come on in. The waters are warm. It's the holiday season. Bowl season's here. The Titans are going to try to attempt to play a football game over the weekend against the Los Angeles Chargers, which I think, Zach, is great news that they're not the San Diego Chargers anymore for Tennessee Titans fans, uh, Not having not fared too well out there in San Diego. Uh, let's see if they can change that up against Los Angeles, of course. Well, I've heard that uh, at Titans Film Room is 1-0 when he attends L.A.-based <laughs> Titans games, and he's going to be there this weekend. Which would have been, of course, the Rams game, which also the Titans had no chance to win at all last year, and then went out there and whipped that ass. So we'll, we're going to try to explain. I, Zach, I, look, we've got a lot to do today on the show. Um, I, I'm going to make some statements about Mike Leach and his influence on the game that I don't think you've heard anywhere else. So we're going to try to work through that. Of course, we've got some bowl game stuff as bowl season is here, but mostly we're going to focus on the Titans and Chargers. Of course, we're brought to you by the Kingston Group and the Pharmacy. We'll tell you more about them in just a second as well. But I just want to get your first thoughts here. Just initial confidence meter, Zach Lyons' confidence meter heading into the weekend for the Tennessee Titans. Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I It's just... It's a it's a difficult place to be in right now if you're a Titans fan. Um, I'll and I have an article coming out later Thursday afternoon um, surrounding Danico Autry's presence. Uh, but if he's to, available to go, I think they have a much better shot. Specifically, we'll get into it. But like confidence meter, I'm like at a five. Okay, that's not particularly great. But I, again, the Titans have been haven't been particularly great. Three straight yeah. losses. The last two by a combined 39 points. So they're, they're kind of not particularly a good team. <laughs> so a lot of stuff to get to. Of course, the Chargers coming off arguably their best performance, completely shutting down Miami last week. So we'll, got, we'll dive into the matchups. What, if anything, can the Titans offensive line do? <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> I, I can't I can't wait for your Sunday tweets about Dennis Daly. It's going to be brutal this weekend against uh, Bosa and or Mac. We'll see. Um, and of course, the secondary matching up with Justin Herbert and that passing attack for the Chargers, Derrick Henry running the football. We'll get to all of the matchups that maybe can give you guys, you Titans fans, a chance. If you want to jump into the comment section, please join us here on a football show, of course, brought to you by 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media at Efforts Pod for Zach at Braden Gall for me. And of course, our two wonderful and amazing sponsors, the Kingston Group and the Pharmacy. Swing by the Pharmacy. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, Three degrees, I believe, on Christmas Eve. A low of three Ooh. degrees projected right now. So now is your time to go eat at the pharmacy outside. They they do have indoor seating as well. So uh, if, in case you need to get out of the house over the course of the next week and you want a great burger, a great beer, and a great brat, and some tots, and some the best mustard in the world, go to the pharmacy. Check it out. Uh, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. I was perusing the website today, Zach, I know you're a big house guy. Uh, I am. Big, big house guy. Uh, like If you want to just, just go look at their work. Like go to buildkg.com and look at their work. It the the it is extraordinarily good. Um, they're trustworthy. They're nose to tail. They're award winning. They're locally owned. So just go check them out. Two locally owned companies that bring you this product each and every Monday and Thursday live at one p.m. So jump into the comment section if you have any questions about this Titans team. We'll talk a little Mike Leach and some bowl games a little bit later on uh, as well. Um, all right, Titans Chargers preview, and I think I don't. I don't know about you, but I think the health of the team is <laughs> top, top priority here. And there's some good news and some not so good news. It feels like we could have Traylon Burks back. Dinico Autry might be back. I, I don't. I, I don't know. What do you think? 
don't put your eggs in any basket that Traylon Burks is going to be back. I mean, uh, when the hit, hit to the head happened, then he hits the ground. You got you're talking about first off a full on human being launching himself into your head at like 19 miles per hour, and then you fall to the ground just as quick as you can. Head bounces off the turf. You black out and or your body seizes up. We don't really know the extent of what actually happened after he hit the ground. It was going to be a two weeks. It'd be a downright a miracle for him to have come back this week, in my opinion. And I know people are clamoring for Traylon Burks to come back. I mean, obviously, the offense is better with him than without him. Um, But I do like that the Titans actually care about the health of their players. Maybe they care too much. But considering that the NFL has a certain kind of concussion protocol, it's not really the Titans are slow playing it. It's the fact that someone on the medical staff here or there does not think that he is mentally ready. Am I am I just out? Am I just making this up in my head that I feel like the Titans this year have had more of these issues than we've seen in the last couple of seasons? Because I, th- I feel like you've had to repeat the limited participation, full participation, clear protocol, like structure. I feel like you've had to repeat that on the show like five times. This and, and- is probably, I would say, the the most concussions that I can remember. At least they're the most impactful concu- or the most impactful players with concussions. Yeah, and and of course, uh, uh, he did not practice on Wednesday, so yeah, they Trey to- Avery did. So that he- that should tell you right there that it's probably not going to yeah. happen for Traylon Burks this week. But Danico Autry is out there practicing, yes. and and that is a huge potential boost to this defense. So is it as simple as, and I know we're going to get into all the details here, but like Derrick Henry has to be freakish <laughs> and the running game has to be freakish against the defense that has been terrible against the run. Top one of the five worst defenses in the NFL. Um, and, and then Danico Autry just has to play like a superhuman. Like, is, are, are those the two most important pieces here? Well, I think the most important thing is that Danico Autry being back is massive. I mean, I don't think people really understand that's not only just massive for the passing offense and the pressure and all that stats. It's just that these last three games have been insanely bad for the defense. And I'll, I'll give you a little clip. You know, it's a free article anyway, so it doesn't really matter if I give you a little preview mm. of the Titans defense with Danico Autry and without Danico Autry. And it's it's kind of insane because it's like I said, the run defense goes from a top eight unit, goes from a top the number one rush defense in the NFL to a top eight. So it's actually eighth in the NFL currently the last three games, which is insane to think about because they because you really don't notice the difference. But apparently there is a big difference without Danico Autry, just specifically in the run game. Then you're talking about. Overall EPA per play, they were 12th with Autry, 31st without Autry. Overall success rate, they were third with Autry, 25th without Autry. In pass pass EPA allowed per play, 12th with Autry. Without Autry, they're 32nd. Pass success rate allowed, 9th, 31st. Rush EPA, like I said, 2nd to 7th. 1st to 8th in rush success rate. Pressures per game, Braden. (laughs) Pressures per game with Danico Autry, 22.8. Without Danico Autry, 12. <laughs> Points per game. Points allowed per game. With Autry, 18.5. Without Autry, 30.3. And yards allowed per game, 349 yards allowed per game. With Autry, 
418 without Autry. It is utterly ridiculous how much he means for this team. And that means, and that shows me right there, is that the depth is not good enough when you have Danico Autry out and Harold Landry out. But obviously, they're one player away from being a shitty-ass pass-rushing, pass-defending, run-defending team. Okay, so those numbers are true. You're right. Like, I thought you were overselling the insanity part yeah, of it. But like, it is you're, insane. You're not. It is insane. Now, to also be fair, Jeffrey Simmons banged up David Long, hurt Christian Fulton as a part of that as well. Like, there's some other factors that are – it's not just, like, one human being. But that would that, technically just be the last game if you're talking about J- the Jacksonville game because they everybody else has been there for the other two games. And Danico Autry's ankle's been hurt with Danico – or Jeffrey Simmons' ankle's been hurt with Danico Autry on the field. Right. What I mean, what I'm trying to say, true. I just mean, you, you've, you, there's some other tiny ripple effects that kind of have also taken place. You also have played in, in the Eagles case, you played the team with, with, at the time had the best record in the NFL. He throws for 380 yards or whatever. And, and you know, obviously the, the Jags at home is a very different situation, but it, it does have a compounding effect when you continue to lose all these pieces. And, and again, Fulton went out of the game pretty early against the Eagles. So that's at least two of those games. I am not discounting the insanity of Danico Autry. <laughs> that is yeah. not what I'm trying to do. I'm just adding a little context to it because 23 pressures to 12 pressures per game from one human being is absurd. That, that is an absurd statistic. It, it, he just It's kind of like what Bud Dupree sort of is. I don't know if he's really this this year, but we've always talked about Bud Debris being a force multiplier dating back to his days of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And last year, specifically Landry splits with and without Derek or uh, Harold Landry or with or without Bud Dupree. But this year, Danico Autry is the linchpin of this defense so far. I mean, he is the MVP. He deserves all the love. He deserves a second contract. And I'm not a lot of people are going to, you know, say pay the man whatever he wants. Pay him within reason, <laughs> but he needs to be here with Jeffrey Simmons. Man, uh, I mean, I, I think we all agree that Danico Autry is incredibly valuable, but those numbers are insane. Um, and I think it, I don't want to boil an entire matchup because the NFL is a funny place. It's a funny game. It's a funny sport. Crazy shit happens. It's weird. Teams that are injured and not playing well beat really good teams all the time. It's just it's just the way the game goes because the NFL is so balanced from a talent standpoint. Um, but it does feel kind of like, well, if Danico Autry can't go, although it looks like he's going to, but if he can't go, you just sort of go, uh, I'm not sure the Titans can go out there and win. Like uh, unless they get something special from Derrick Henry where they get up early and can control the game and, and dictate the pace and do all the things that Mike Rabel wants to do stylistically styles make fights here. Right. That I, I don't know how they like they don't have the personnel in the secondary to match up with Mike Williams, who is now back playing well. Keenan Allen's had four straight games of being really, really good. Austin Eckler's all over the field. They don't have David Long would be really important piece this week. <laughs> yeah, it would feel like he's not going to be a factor. Even if Zach Cunningham comes back, he doesn't do any of the things you need against the Chargers. Hey, so. he, he can help out with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Um Specifically, you know, Austin Eckler gets all of his passes not really down the field running routes. He gets them behind the line of scrimmage, so he could technically help with that. You think he's? Um, you think he can cover Austin Eckler in space? I, I I think that it it depends on how they have him starting out. Obviously, if it's like a ten yard gap between Austin Eckler and Zach Cunningham, then no. But if they have <laughs> Zach Cunningham up near around the line of scrimmage and okay. shadowing him 
then it's going to at least cause Austin Eckler to pause, right? Okay. Okay. And, and I'm not saying that he's going to tackle him 10 times out of 10. I would say maybe like four times out of 10, but maybe he could slow him down for someone else to come in and tackle him. And, and specifically, Justin Jackson got a lot of play on uh, the Monday night football game. Was it Monday night or Sunday night? Monday night, yeah. Monday night football game. Um, through In between the tackles and everything. And I think here's the thing about this game. The Titans love stopping the run. They are elite at stopping the run, no matter who is on the field for this team. The Chargers don't give a flying fuck about running the ball. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. They literally do not care about running the ball at all. They are 31st in uh, rushing attempts in the NFL. They do not care. So it really doesn't matter if Zach Cunningham's back or not. Yeah, it, yeah. Do, it only matters if Danico Autry's back because Danico Autry generates pressure, and that is how you beat Justin Herbert. And, and let me say something about these offenses and these defenses. They are horrendous second-half offenses, both of them. But the difference between the Titans and their shitty-ass offense and the Chargers and their shitty-ass second-half offense is that the Chargers have only had four games where both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have been healthy and finished a game. So those numbers are inflated. Those numbers really don't matter. What matters is is how this defense plays, and the only way to stop the Chargers' offense is going to be pressuring and crushing yeah. Justin Herbert every chance that you get. You got to get him off the spot. You got to get him off the spot, and even then, he's pretty good on the move. Yeah, he had um, 150 yards uh, yeah. out of the pocket last year, yeah. last week. Uh, throwing the ball, not rushing. Because again, if you're going to start, if you're going to look at matchups on both sides of the ball for the Titans, and just say, what are you most concerned about? It's, it starts with the Titans' offensive line against the Chargers' pass rush, and so that's number one. You just go, okay, that's Let, concerning. So far, Joey Bosa has not been had his uh, activation off IR, 21 day practice window opened up, to my knowledge. Isn't he? But it's supposed to happen this week, so we'll see. He's, I guess we'll. They, they they kind of thought it may. They haven't decided okay. yet. But if the longer would... they wait, the the more the, the more likely it's not. Do you think Dennis Daly's just like got a notification turned on for the for the Chargers like injury update? Just like please God, don't don't. don't well, I would say that he may, he probably has his notifications blocked, but we know he can't block anything. Uh that was nice. That was Thank nice. You. you can take the rest of the show off. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but so that's the matchup passing. The pass rush for the Chargers. It's it's the same for both sides, right? It's the pass right. rush of the Titans and the pass rush of the Chargers, are because the the Chargers offensive line is is similarly yeah, really yeah. bad, just as much as the Titans. What I was going to say is that matchup versus because what we've seen the last couple of weeks are when you get a, a very talented quarterback going down the field. This secondary without Christian Fulton and at times Hooker's kind of been in and out of the lineup. But, you know, that's all they've got really is Kevin Byer <laughs> in, the, in the back there right now. That is concerning with a healthy Allen, a healthy Williams that want to go down the field. We saw A.J. Brown make big plays. We saw Ingram and Zay Jones and all these guys making big plays down the field. Again, almost 800 yards passing given up the last two weeks by this tight secondary. And if and if the thing that you do well, stop the run, is the thing that they don't care about. If you're the Chargers, why aren't you just taking deep shots the entire game? Like, why aren't you just, I mean, I know Eckler catches like 90 plus passes around the line of scrimmage and they like the short passing game, but why not, why not take advantage of the weaknesses right now down the field for the Titans I, or, or over the middle in, in, in particular? Well, I mean, you got six, four Mike Williams versus the no cornerbacks that are above five eleven. <laughs> Hooray. 
Yeah, I mean, this is this is utterly a ridiculous matchup, a mismatch. I, uh, you know, this is where you know uh, having a first round pick that would have been healthy, like Caleb Farley, that actually knew how to play the the game of football, would come in handy. Mm. But unfortunately, the Titans have no tall quarters whatsoever. I, I think Lonnie Johnson. They just activated his twenty one day practice window, which means that they only have one IR spot left among David Long, Kyle Phillips, and Elijah Molden. They only bring one of those people back if they if they fully activate both those guys, Zach Cunningham and, um, uh, and Lonnie Johnson. And Long and Long won't be back until the final game of the season, right? Like yeah. He can't come back until week 18. So, so. his – but, you know, to be honest, his, uh, injury, his last hamstring injury took him out for six weeks. So he's probably not coming back. I would think that Kyle Phillips out of the three of them probably has the best shot of coming back. Um, but here, here's the thing. The, the Titans are in a situation where they're going to have to, and we'll, we'll get into it way, way later. But Lonnie Johnson is their longest, biggest corner. And he is 6'2". They have a size issue. Now, what they do to compensate for that size issue is play a lot of zone. The problem is now you're going to have Trey Avery, Roger McCreary, Terrence Mitchell, Kevin Byard, Andrew Adams, and Imani Hooker trying to play zone. And there's nobody that can – you're going to have to congest the passing lanes. And I still don't think it's going to help because Justin Herbert can throw basically one of the tightest window throws you'll ever see outside yeah. of maybe Patrick Mahomes. And these guys are just big. They're all on the same page. They play a lot of backyard football, kind of like similar to the Chiefs. And it's going to be hard. This game comes down to whoever is leading at halftime. If, if they are <laughs> leading by 10 points or more, they're it's winning over. the game. It's over. <laughs> Again, the Titans dead last in the NFL. 5.4 points per game in the second half. So if you have a one-touchdown lead going into the second half against the Titans, you don't have to score any points. Yeah, you can you can win the game. Um, although they did again, as we said on Monday, offensive explosion with eight points in the second half. Right now, the week. Titans are only averaging four point seven points per game on the road as an offense in the second half. Now the the Chargers are giving up a ton at home in the second half at thirteen point five points per game at home. The other thing is is that at home the Chargers are actually. <laughs> only scoring 6.3 points per game. Like this is this is a terrible second half game. It's almost <laughs> like please turn just end it, end it and put us out of our misery. What what's the phrase the immovable object immovable object versus the unstoppable force? Yeah, pretty it's much. The, it's the opposite of all of that. Yeah, it's uh, the movable object versus the stoppable force. It's very it's very movable and very stoppable. <laughs> so, uh, no, I look, I there there is like if you want to just scale back and say all right, NFL football is crazy. Der Derrick Henry could absolutely have a monster day against a terrible rush defense that may not have Joey Bosa back, let's say. And they could just have a field day running the football, take control of the game early, and then just kind of see how they can hold on for dear life. And maybe Herbert doesn't make enough big throws in the second half. Like, you can conceivably make up that, that formula pretty easily. The confidence level that I have that the offensive line is going to create opportunities, although they did a good job against Jacksonville in the first half last week. I, this team has been very good coming out with this first 15, 20, 25 plays scripted in the first half, the first few drives. They were very good last week. They've been good most, most of the season. So I think they'll come out and have a pretty good game plan. I, I could see them scoring on a couple of drives in the first quarter. 
the key is going to be how does it look? How does it happen? Is it all Derrick Henry? Are they running the football? Can they stick with it? And then is Danico Autry healthy on the defense? I, again, I don't know what what else to add about Autry, the Autry story. He To me, he's the biggest part of the entire game. Yeah, he, he's the biggest news story heading into this game. The I, I think one of the biggest things that, that we have to take into consideration is that the Titans' defense has to buy the Titans' offense a lot of breathing room yeah. and a lot of flexibility because this is one of the worst rush defenses outside of maybe the Texans in the NFL. And you have Derrick Henry. And we saw that Derrick Henry versus the Jaguars was working. And the Jaguars are a very bad run run defense. And it was working. But the problem is, is a mixture of the defense couldn't stop anybody. Um, and the game got out of hand. So Todd Downing felt he had a panic attack and felt that he couldn't ever run the ball ever again because, you know, he, he thinks really weirdly. Um, and the, so you're going to have to make sure that if you're, if you're heading into halftime and is like a three point game and the chargers get the ball in the second half, the Titans defense has to stop them right there. Or this team yeah. is going to start panicking and get away from the run. Yeah. Cause we know, cause we know what it's going to look like coming out of the halftime break. Right. At, at least we, we know what it's going to look like. Um, I do find like, I, I, I could again. I can see the Titans' offense having a couple of really nice drives. Derrick Henry finding some room to operate. They they try to. I also want to see like how creative can you get to sort of avoid the Dennis Daly problem. Whether that's just you know rolling to the right, rolling to Tannehill's right, screen pass, just something to get the ball out of his hand quickly. I I I could see some success there. The the key is on the other side, which normally we've not ever been concerned about with this defense, but because of the injuries. All I see is Evan Ingram running wide open through the field in the middle of the field in particular on a lot of short passing routes and crossing routes, dig routes, angle routes. Like they're going to use Eckler on that angle route that goes right into the middle linebacker. And I don't know if the Titans have an answer for that. Like, I don't know. Like they can go down the field if they want to, because I think they've got the size advantage, as you said. But I also think they can attack the middle of the field. And then you're asking Bayard and, and or Hooker to come up and make a lot of open field tackles and limit the yards after catch. They'll do what what teams what I would be. Do. If I was the offensive coordinator for the for the Chargers, I would be getting them to come up and basically throwing short passes to Austin Eckler for chunk yards, going to Gerald Everett for chunk yards. And then I would suddenly start taking my deep shots with uh, Mike Williams down the field and with. Um, Josh Palmer down the field and let Keenan Allen also feast under the underneath. And you basically just keep doing it in a circle, right? Yep, yep. Like there, there is I, Shane Bowen and Mike Vrabel, because this to me is one of the biggest mismatches now because of no Christian Fulton, no David Long, no Dedico Autry. This is one of the biggest defensive mismatches that we've seen in a while for this defense that Shane Bowen and Mike Vrabel, if they hold them to some miraculous, like 20 point game. They've done coach of the year, like game of the year, game yeah. plan of the year situation. Well, and it's funny, like you say, we haven't seen that in a while. And I'm like, well, but two weeks ago, it was AJ Brown, Devonta Smith and Miles Sanders. And, you know, like it, now, now Joe Burrow in Cincinnati did not have Jamar Chase or Joe Mixon in that game. And, and see, they I actually, don't consider those gate, those guys really mismatches for this defense, because I mean, you got David Long to be able to take out your tight end. If you wanted to, the problem is they just didn't play well. I don't think it was the mismatches. I think that Christian Fulton didn't play his best game. He got bullied when he usually is the one bullying. And then he goes out and then you have Trey Avery trying to cover him. 
to me, I think this is the biggest mismatches for health for what they are fielding I got right you. now. This is the biggest mismatch. I got you. I got it you. Became I see. a big mismatch in the Eagles game. Right, right, right. I see what you're saying, and, and that and that makes sense. Uh, Chargers by thirty by D. Good, uh, Stony Keeley, Justin Herbert over under five hundred yards. Uh, I'll take the under on both of those because I think. Vrabel and Bowen will have some sort of plan, but I, I, it, my confidence level is probably at a four here. If yours is a five, but I do, again, I keep going back to the NFL's weird. Uh, they had lost eight consecutive games in San Diego, including a playoff game. They just had, for whatever reason, they could not go down to San Diego and win. And maybe a change of scenery, the building that they played very well in last year. And, and again, early drives, early start, Derrick Henry, chunk yards, Slow down the pass rush. Try to get yourself a 10, 14, 17 point lead and then hold on for dear hold life. On. Yeah. Like that's that's like the only way it works. And I, a four game losing streak is not something I, I feel like we would ever have been talking about with a Mike Rabel coach. Team, no, but so. I mean, this it's just possible. And if the I look at it this way, the defense has to be as elite as it was against the Chiefs. And and the offense has to has to have Ryan Tannehill carry it like i think that is the way that yeah. this game is going to have to unfold it's not going to be able to unfold with the defense playing average and the offense playing their normal self they're both both units are going to have to elevate now what do you make of the chargers just in general i mean they've had a lot of injuries on defense they've had a lot of questions about the play calling on offense um the, I, don't, I don't like anything about the chargers i was gonna day. say i mean i like the players yeah, but yeah. I, I think that the, the staff is one of the dumbest staffs ever, especially Joe Lombardi and Staley's situational uh, coaching is piss poor. Uh, they they have these bouts of good games where everything works, and then they then they just go on this tear of just just crazy, utterly disappointing and disastrous football. Uh, like their their general me, manager, their general manager probably gets fired first before anybody else does. Yeah. Much like. Let's, what the Titans just did to to me. Well, I feel like Staley should get fired before their general manager. I don't think general manager is the problem in in uh, L.A. But to me, I've always thought that if if all things considered healthy, except for Harold Landry, which we knew that he was never going to be here, I was never worried about this game. And then all these injuries happen, and it's just like, okay, well, you got to be worried about the game. That's just how it, how it goes. Well, and they they also played their best defensive performance last week uh 217 yards total against miami 17 points 127 net passing yards totally yeah, and shut they, down and two two was so, just he was in a rut he was, he was in one too of those cold. games he couldn't get out and then he's like well i'm not worried about the cold this snows in alabama and i'm thinking you're going what? to fuck the buffalo buffalo and alabama are nowhere near the same i lived in alabama it doesn't there's snow been there was ice storm 94 and that was about it <laughs> I I love the broadcast. Was it Tariko on the broadcast? He's like, yes, it's uh, it's a little chilly here in Los Angeles inside. Although I know it's open air and they've got the the wind blowing, and I I get all that. I just thought it was hilarious. And then and then you look at Nashville. I think I think actually Tua's coldest game ever was here in Nashville. Actually, yeah. I, I think that I don't remember what when it was, but I think I saw a graphic that his coldest game. And that's ever... something that Mike has brought up repeatedly when I say that I don't think the Titans could beat the Dolphins in the playoffs. He's like, well, Tua just doesn't play well in cold weather. I also don't know how much I buy into the Dolphins staying power this year. Um, I think uh, Minnesota is another one I've got questions about. There's a lot of good teams. They're going to put up good records that I don't know how much faith I have in going into the postseason. But uh, the Titans are. You know, <laughs> the Titans are on that list as well. Uh, no faith about this team going into the postseason. 
uh, but they probably they probably get a playoff spot again. 89, 90% chance they win the division and get, and get into the playoffs. So um, we shall see. What else you got on this matchup? You, you give me, give a, um, we're not big on predictions and scores. I don't want to do a score prediction because I, I, I just don't feel like I have a good feel for how this game's going to go because I just don't know. I don't know if I buy into the, this whole, the Titans have this renewed energy that they're, they, they're struggling. This, the, the players are, from these press conferences, specifically what Derrick Henry has said today, uh, Thursday, where he talks about that he himself notices that there is a lack of energy coming out of the second half. There's a lack of focus. I, I, I they're 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 on the ropes. Um, I think I yeah. We we talked about it on Monday. I just I just think they're exhausted, and now they're going to have to travel. You know, two or three different time zones over to L.A. and you know, it's just. It's not good timing, and you know I'm not a big bye week guy. Uh, as far as I don't think it really matters where the bye week is at for the majority of teams for the majority of seasons, but I do think that having the bye week so early for this particular team that had to that ended up firing its GM was just yep. it's bad. No, I think I think we've said this before on the show, and I think it's I think it's the only way to look at bye week timing is it's it it's good or bad for whatever your team may or may not need that year. Right. It was it can be really it can be really great to have it early in week four, five, or six. It can be really terrible to have it in week four, five, or six. It can be really great to have it late. It can be really terrible to have it late. And right now with the injuries, this team absolutely could could have used a later bye week uh, on the calendar because of all the injuries. So it just it you never you can't predict that stuff. It just is what it is. It's almost all injury based. And in this case, you know, we're gonna make this giant shift in the organizational structure right in the middle of the year. And make sure that you guys all have to deal with it at the most important time. Um, so again, uh, it's—I don't know if you saw Mike Sando's piece in. <laughs> in yeah, in, I heard uh, it. I, I haven't read it, but I heard, I heard about it. Interesting, interesting concept. Uh, war- warning fans about the potential to become the Houston Texans, which is a terrifying thing to think about. Um, yeah, I recommend reading it. But again, just a just an interesting just an interesting article there. Um, all right, you want to. We're going we're to talk about bowl opt-outs, and we're going to talk about a couple of bowl games coming up this weekend. Also, uh, make sure you check out our great and wonderful and amazing sponsors, The Pharmacy in East Nashville. Of course, they've got a location downtown at 5th and Broad as well. But the, uh, the, the, the true pharmacy goers with the beer garden and the beer parlor, uh, or the burger parlor and the beer garden out, out there, East Nashville, McFerrin Avenue, that is your spot to go, man. Always delivers. No screens, right? Like, you're not, you're not distracted. You can actually have a conversation with somebody over a, over a great meal. So make sure you check out the pharmacy, um, the brats, the beers, the tots, the burgers, the ambiance even, and the swag, actually. The shirts are pretty cool. So yep. they got some good swag over there. So go buy some shirts. Go buy some burgers. You can get out of there for less than 50 bucks. Great place to take a family. Great, great place to take a date. Great place to take the guys after work. Great work. You need a work lunch. Pharmacy is your spot. So go check out the pharmacy. Uh, all right. Um you got anything else on the game? We're going to talk Mike Leach here. So let's talk Mike Leach because you you sent a text when because we obviously we ended the show on Monday and that's when things took a real big turn for the worse for Mike Leach yep. and he's obviously is not no longer with with us. Um, but you said and I thought this is interesting. Not 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 that I necessarily disagree, but I just it's not anything I've ever heard of. But you said in the text this morning, he is the most influential mind in, in football. At all levels. And I thought that was super interesting because to me, I'm thinking, well, what's the real influence that he has in the NFL? Because I'm thinking, you know, 
is it more influential than Mike Shanahan or the Shanahan offense? Is it more in, influential than Bill Walsh? Is it more more influential than uh, Don Coriel? So you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, that's a that's a that's a big thing to say. And I want to hear where this all comes from, and then we'll tie it into a Titans player that you want to talk yes, about. Yes, yes. Um, so I think, uh, and I think it starts with, and maybe it needs to be bracketed with, like, of our generation, the last 25 years, let's okay. say, which, again, three decades is still a long a long time. But I don't think, well, while Air Coriel in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s with the Chargers and Dan Fouts was really, really special and revolutionary. There's no question about that. The West Coast offense with Bill Walsh in the 80s, certainly very... The air raid is such a different offense. Now, shotgun four wide, yes, that's air Coriel. But to completely avoid all rushing of the football and to just sort of the, the way the air raid is designed, which is like maybe 12 plays, maybe four or five pass patterns, it is about simplicity and repetition. It is about run to space, fine grass, and, and intuition. It's about quick processing. But it's the air raid offense is exclusively Mike Leach, and you can track. And so the reason my, my statement really is Mike Leach is the most influential mind of our generation across all levels of the entire sport, because everybody now is doing something that comes from the air raid that has its roots in the air raid offense. Um, mo most notably, the the, the mo what's the most modern you know, cliche sort of kitschy term for an offensive thing. Now that's, that's in vogue in the NFL RPO, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, Ooh, RPO. So how mummy was the coach of Kentucky when he hired Mike Leach to be his coordinator in 1997, Tim couch immediately broke every single sec passing record in one year. They had a, they had a game against Florida. There was an outside linebacker for the Florida Gators who went on to do great things for the Tennessee Titans. His name was Javon curse. They could not block Javon curse. And in the middle of the game, they figured out that they could either run a bubble screen right at Javon Curse and throw it over his head, or they could... Which is crazy to me, because, I mean, he's he's the freak, right? I mean, he's, right, like, so right. tall. And he was, But he was coming at the passer, right? So yeah. he wasn't dropping into coverage. So, like, they basically, like, lure him in with the fake to the running back, throw the bubble screen, or if he kind of stays out there and drifts up the field and kind of takes the outside route to get to the quarterback, to Tim Couch at the time, they would give it to the running back up the middle, which is that is an RPO like that. That is the exact RPO that we have today. And so if you want to look at Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Art Bryles, um, you can go down the list. Lincoln Riley is doing it the best of everybody right now in terms of the run pass balance. The one thing Mike Leach sort of stood in his own way in all of this, like he just refused to find balance. He hated balance. He didn't want to run the football. I don't think it's why I think it's why he never got a big time job. But Friday night football in high school, Saturday football, Sunday football elements, the air raid attack is the reason we have 2022. The reason football looks the way it does today on your television set is because of Mike Leach. It is the air raid offense, you know, whether it's the zone read or the spread or tempo or RPO or, you know, four wide or whatever you want to call it. There is nobody more important to the game of football and how it looks on our screens in the in the last 30 years than Mike Leach. Do you want to say that Eric Coriel was more influential at that time? Maybe. I don't think the West Coast offense revolutionized the game the way the Air Raid did. I just don't think it did. So I, I don't know. To me, it's – you look at every – look, Tom Brady is running elements of the Air Raid. I mean, <laughs> like, like – 
Like th- this is happening everywhere. Look at the look at the Packers rushing attack with Jones and Dylan and the way Aaron Rodgers is faking this way and faking the pitch that way and then throwing out there. That's all air raid stuff. And it all comes from Mike Leach. It's I think he's actually underappreciated in terms of his influence on our sport today. And 60 years from now, we're going to look back on the passing attacks that changed the game. And I think we're going to look at 97 to 2022. And we're going to say Mike Leach was was the, the most important mind of our time when it comes to passing the football. Um, so let me ask you this. You know, you talk about talk about his influence and everything. Do you think that he would be as widely recognized among the public? Not not, you know, people who cover the sport, not people who have been around and coach if he wasn't such an awesome person like <laughs> the, the mascot fight. Like he spends like yeah, three yeah. minutes discussing how all the Pac-12 mascots, you know, will, would win. And then there's his book uh, by the swing sword. Your, Am I getting swing, that right? Swing, swing your swing sword. The sword. Swing the sword. Yeah. Uh, then you have. You know, just all the stories, there's an ESPN story and, you know, all this stuff. Do you think that I because I felt like when he died, a lot of people that normally would probably just pass over the story on my timeline. There was a lot of outpouring of sympathy and sadness and fond memories and clips and this and that. It seems like he had a lot wider reach than most normal college coaches would have. Because he actually was a human being who talked, uh, you know, about whatever he wanted to. Um, I had a chance to work with him a couple times, do a couple shows with him. It's very hard to do a sports talk show with Mike Leach. Um, if 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 the, if the show is supposed to be about football, um, it's very hard to keep him on topic. Um, he had a huge influence on my career because in 05, 06, 07, my first job out of college, he would give us like twenty seven minute interviews. He and he would be like, "Hey, uh, I was I was studying this Amazon surfing contest where there's a fish that swims up your penis." And they had to wear these shorts to special shorts. And we're like, we just asked you who was going to start a quarterback against T- against Baylor. Like, <laughs> just, and he's talking about, you know, track meets in Montana where people are burying dead bodies. And like, it's just the, the most bizarre stuff. And so I think that is part of the coverage of it all, right? Like his personality is so large. And I think you're right. Maybe we don't, he doesn't get as much credit or love if he doesn't have this larger than life personality. But here's what I would say to that. The only reason he's the guy that came up with the air raid is because his mind works like that. Like that, like only the guy who is that smart. He was just a student at BYU. He didn't, he didn't play football. He was just studying Lavelle Edwards running four wide shotgun with Steve Young and Ty Detmer and just figured out the air raid. <laughs> like he just, it's the, and he's not a perfect guy. Like he's that, that insatiable curiosity and like that stubbornness. He's a hard ass football coach. People don't realize that about him. Like he he can be very insensitive because he just doesn't have like a filter. Right. And, and and so I don't think you could be Michael. I don't think the air raid is the air raid without Mike Leach's brain and personality being as weird and as quirky and as interesting as it was. Somebody would have eventually come up with something similar to the air raid. But the way his mind executes, like the reason he never got a big job was because he would not adapt. He's too stubborn. He didn't add the rushing elements to his offense. And the guys who have done that, Urban Meyer, Rich Rodriguez, Lincoln Riley, Cliff Kingsbury, all the guys that coached for him, Art Bryles, Josh Heupel. Josh freaking Heupel is a Mike Leach disciple. Tennessee's offense is from Mike Leach's air raid. 
it's just different because they're actually willing to run the football. And and yeah. Mike Leach was never willing to do that. And I think that's why he never got a job. And I think it's partly because he just was like, no, fuck you. I'm Mike Leach. I'm not going to run the ball. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like a guy. He just sticks with what he what he wants to do. And but I do think the best systems, though, now, like the best way to operate football offenses are the blend of the power. I talked to a coordinator today about it. It's the guys that have figured out how to blend really creative, strong power rushing attacks with the air raid elements. That is, I think you could argue that's the best system of football on any level. Lincoln Riley's probably doing it better than anybody right now. And he and he, and he said a couple of interesting. I don't let's see if I got the right page here. I wrote down these notes, but he said you you have there are situations in the game where you have to be able to run the ball, in particular the red zone, short yardage, bad weather. There's just things that can happen in a game where you have to be able to lean on something other than a lot of throwing the football. And Mike Leach just never wanted any part of that. And so I think you could argue the greatest sk- scheme we've got today is maybe USC. Guy just won a Heisman Trophy, like almost went to the playoff in one year. <laughs> So uh, Josh Heupel's running something very similar. It, it's Lane Kiffin running something very similar. Yep. Like it's not all that different from, from Mike Leach's air raid. It's just adding the rushing attack to it. And if you want to talk Titans in the future, I, I think you got to look at like what people like USC are doing and, and, uh, and find that blend of spread offense, throw the football, but with the power rushing attack. That is that's the, the unstoppable thing right now, and athleticism at the quarterback position as well. Like mix in that that part of it as well, which is Urban Meyer and and Rich Rodriguez and the zone read and all that other stuff. So it's, I think Leach is, I, I don't know, I don't think I don't think he comes up with the air raid without the the weird quirky brain that he's got. Yeah, um, just wicked wicked smart dude and uh, complicated guy, but I think is overall, I, you can't tell the story of football without a big chapter of, of that's dedicated to Mike Leach. So the um, let's, let's talk about some college football. Cause I want to get into this topic of bowl game opt outs. I think we both are on the same page that they do not fucking matter to us, <laughs> but they seem to matter to fans, especially when it happens. But I also want to talk about, do you think NFL teams care if a player opts out? Because in my mind, no. And here's where the, the, the big, if you want further proof, John Mechie in the SEC championship game, Jamison Williams in the, the college football playoff game, both get injured, both see their draft stock just drop. You know, he, I know Jamison Williams was drafted pretty high, but John Mechie could have been a went all the way in the third round to the Texans. But these injuries happen, and you're talking about taking money out of the kids' pockets already by by them doing it. And I do not blame, I do not care. Don't bring me anything about uh, Jackson Smith, whatever, which I'm going to have to learn yeah. that guy's name probably later uh, if, if he gets tit- drafted. If the Titans yeah. get him, you're in good shape. Although yeah. the, the injury thing is. <laughs> well, apparently he's just taking, he's like, well, I think I'm injured and I think I'm going to milk this injury. He's, which he's, is a, he's awesome. Is. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And if the Titans get him, you'll be lucky. Um, be lucky. I, I think that, um, you know, when you talk about it, I don't blame these kids for not putting everything on the line for a meet for the Las Vegas Bowl or for the General Motors, you know, EV truck bowl or whatever else they're going to come up with to name these bowls. So, first of all, NFL GMs don't give a shit. They don't. The Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette both sat out their bowl games and they were both drafted in the top 10. 
I think this conversation, like you, you texted because you were like, hey, we're, we're going to add this to the rundown. Let's talk about this. I almost wanted to be like, why? Be- not, not, not to be a smart ass to you, but just like, why is this even a conversation? Like Jalen Hyatt decides to not play in the bowl game. And here's, here's my theory on this, because we live in a time where everyone's offended by everything, right? It's grievance all over Twitter. Doesn't matter what political party you're a part of. Like everyone's just bitching and moaning about everything. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. I have a theory. You cannot be more offended than the victim of the perceived injustice. Yes. And if you're going to accuse Jalen Hyatt of quitting on his team, then the victim in this scenario is the team. And the team doesn't care. (laughs) His teammates are saying, go get that money. Go stay healthy. Go get ready for the draft. You could be running routes right now in Arizona with the specialist getting better at the most important day of your entire career. And if the team doesn't think that that he's quitting on them, how do you think you're allowed to feel about it? Right. Not you, Zach, you, the Tennessee fan in the audience. Well, I, I, I've seen a lot of people when talking about, because getting to that point in the NFL season where you start looking at NFL draft prospects or when someone puts out their little, um, bowl game announcement that they're skipping then you see everything talk about it and i've seen a few titans fans say well i don't want a guy that doesn't play in the bowl game oh go fuck yourself yeah i mean give me a fucking <laughs> bowl. i think it's ridiculous nobody cares nobody cares nobody cares and, and here's the other thing is this america like are yeah. we living in america you don't get to tell somebody what to do with their career and their life like you don't this is america i thought we just went through this whole like american individualist freedom bullshit like you don't get to tell somebody what to do Right. Because because you want to be entertained, get out of here with that crap. This is a, this, this conversation is old, man. Like not, I'm not being a smart ass to you. I'm just, I'm reiterating it to the viewers. If you would like to, to comment on players opting out, do do so elsewhere, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with um, you. Um, Stony, by the way, says, uh, are we going to preview hometown lenders Bahama Bowl or the Duluth trading Cure Bowl? And I will preview the Cure Bowl. I will do that for you guys if you want. I do not want. But let's oh, talk yes, about the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> when when no Florida players are going to play in that game. Yeah. Um, anything that, let's say, for the future of the SEC, are there any stars that are playing in this game that could be important oh, for UT fans next year to know about? I, honestly, honestly, I don't think so. Uh, Florida's going to have like half its roster not not play. Um, obviously, Richardson off, off to the NFL. I think Jack Miller's going to start. Like they're ten and a half point underdog to Oregon State. Oregon State's a really good football team, by the way. They could have ten wins at the end of this thing. Um, it's not like I think it's an interesting game. It's in Vegas. That's uh, I think it's at two thirty on Saturday. I'm not kidding. The Cure Bowl at two o'clock on Friday afternoon is legitimately one of the best bowl matchups in the entire season. Who's who is that? UTSA eleven and two. Troy eleven and two. Two conference champions. With two coaches, Jeff Trailer and John Summerall, who are both going to be head coaches at the Power Five level in the next couple of years, one of the best defenses in the game versus one of the best offenses in the game, and of course at 2 p.m. Central Time on a Friday, that makes total sense. ESPN, uh, I'm telling you, that's one of the best games you're going to find the entire bowl season. So all don't joke about the Cure Bowl this year. It's actually a very, very good football game. Yes, Stony, don't joke about the Cure Bowl, Stony. Uh, I think the other one, uh, keep an eye on this is this is so this is the most bowl game thing ever. Cincinnati and Louisville are going to play at Fenway Park. Cincinnati just took Louisville's head coach, and they're going to be on the same sideline. <laughs> I like it. Is that not the most bowl game thing you've ever heard of in your entire life? It's going to be wild. 
two football teams at a baseball stadium where one team stole the other team's coach on the same sideline, and the trophy is called a keg of nails between Louisville and Cincinnati. Oh, that's even cooler. I like that. And it's literally a keg filled with nails. Literally not, a keg f- filled with nails. I love I'm not it. kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, I don't think there's much else. Uh, that's, SMU about, B- that's about it for bowl games, right? Yeah, SMU-BYU is pretty interesting. I like that. Good uniform game, red and the white. That's cool. Um, otherwise, we'll be back on Monday. So I think Washington State, Fresno State's kind of interesting. But really, I'm going to do everything I can to sell you on the Cure Bowl, Zach. Like that's, well, uh, what time is it on Saturday? I'll be two, in Memphis. I, you know, 2 I don't o'clock know on a Friday. Be. It's two o'clock on a Friday. I'll be in Memphis. I'll leave Memphis right after I send you this show. <laughs> two o'clock on a Friday. It's it's perfect. Metro schools are out. If you want to indoctrinate your child into group of five football, UTSA and 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 Troy, it's a fantastic football. It's truly a really good. I'm trying my best here, Zach. <laughs> I mean, uh, it just it's depends a great on what, game. I mean, I'm I'm not yeah, I'm gonna be seeing people like whatever they're gonna be doing, I'm gonna be doing. You gotta be. You can't take them to the take them to the bar with the goat. I'm not taking them. Me, they're taking me. They're taking me. I'm not. I'm not in control of what happens this weekend. Fair enough. Quiz game tonight. That from there, I have no clue what's happening. I do love a weekend where you just show up and let everybody else decide. That's That's that sounds actually that sounds pretty good actually. So, um, yeah. So check out the Cure Bowl, folks. Uh, There you go. Best of luck to the Titans, uh, mash unit against the Chargers and Justin Herbert on Sunday. Um, best of luck in your travels to to the 901. Have a good time the back worst, home. Most boring drive is from Nashville That's to bad. Memphis. Yeah, I hate it. We can have a real fun debate about this. We need a re- we need a we need a direct flight from Nashville to Memphis. I would take <laughs> it. I would avoid three hours. I would pay the money and take that flight. It's a pretty bad. It's a pretty bad drive. It's yes. not as bad as Macon to Savannah. I haven't made that drive, so it's a, it's 180 miles of the exact same mile. No lefts, no rights, no ups, no downs. The same tree for 180 miles. <laughs> it's just awful. It's terrible. Um, that's why the Almond Brothers got the fuck out of there. All right. Um, thank you uh, to Zach. Thank you to our sponsors, of course, uh, Kingston Group and Pharmacy. Make sure you check all those guys out there. BuildKG.com, the pharmacy, great place to have some beer and some uh, some burgers this weekend. So make sure you check them out. Broadway Sports Insider, of course, account. Uh, 99 cents for the first month. Uh, I would just do the full year package because it's a super good deal. So make sure you check that out. All the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network as well. Zach, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at FWordSpot. They can find my writing at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Now, that's about it. That's where you go. Because I'm not, never going to give them my address. And I'm ne- probably never going to hang out with some of these people. So Wow. That's where you can find Tony, me. Tony, he's talking to you, big guy. I said some people. <laughs> he's talking to you. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. He's Zach. I'm Braden. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. This has been a football show. 